welcome to the Gillet and Brims podcast. This is episode number 33 and uh, something a bit different this week. I'm Nat Gillett, but I've not got Andrew Brims here with us. I've got Mark Tomlinson and I'm just going to speak to Mark a bit about things. So Mark, hello. Hi Nat, good to see you. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Mark? What do you do? Uh, so I uh, lead Sutton Community Works, which is a local charity, which um, is made up of about 15 different churches. And we do things like food bank and street pastors. We go into schools with school pastors. We do a job club. We just started a befriending scheme for over 65, so I'm planning for my retirement. Great. And uh, <laughs> anything where we can engage really with the, with the local authority, the police, the, the council and other partners and make a difference, putting faith into action. Fantastic. And you've been in Sutton quite a while, have you? Or... Yeah, um, I think it's starting to date me now, but I've been here for 18 years. 18 years. In this area, yeah, and I've lived on St. Helier for most of that time. Okay. Now you've got a Bible verse you want to read us, is that right? Yeah, I, th- I thought, given that we uh, were talking about the church making a difference, and um, mm. I thought we'd read from Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, it says this it says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty, or give you something to drink, or a stranger, and show you hospitality, or naked, and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. That's an interesting passage, though, isn't it, about helping people, supporting their physical needs and things. And the work you've been involved with, the street passers and food bank, obviously very much is the sort of the front, the coalface of doing those sorts of things for local people. As part of that, Mark, you, and we might get to talk about a couple of things here today, but just as part of that, you obviously have had a lot of involvement with the local council and the police to do these things, and they trust you, and for years they've known you and you've had meetings with them. I just wonder if we could talk to us a little bit about that kind of balance, the relationship between the church and local authorities in terms of them trusting us, the church, uh, and seeing what we're doing as, as, as being a blessing and, and bringing good things to the community, but then also the church's role to sort of speak prophetically to um, councils and the police when they're not perhaps doing things that we think God, God's pleased with. So that balance between mm. being a blessing and speaking prophetically, like how, how have you sort of handled that over the years? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think it's, uh, it's about relationship, and I think mm. it probably comes back to any relationship you have with your neighbours or with friends or when you go to the gym. What, what is your aim? And I think when, we first, when I first started getting involved in 2004... It was through an initiative called Soul in the City, okay. which was a national initiative. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I tried to push it out locally within St. Helier. And to do it, um, I had this big idea of an event on the green opposite the hospital. Okay. And it had never been done before. Right. Um, and so I had to communicate with the council. Um, sure. And that was my first real interaction with Sutton Council. So it okay. wasn't something I wanted to do, yeah. to be honest. Um, and I remember going to the meetings and... They were using all these strange words like capacity and cohesion <laughs> and, and things like that. And I was thinking, what are they on about? But then I was probably using words that they were thinking, what is he on about with sure. you know, fellowship and the church? And, yeah. You know, uh, we want to do this event to reach out. Yeah, sure. So I think the first thing I learned was that 
they're human beings and actually there's always that element of language yeah. and culture. Sure. And I didn't really understand their culture fully. They didn't understand our culture. And I think Did you feel they mistrusted you at the beginning? Yes. Yeah. I think because so. you were the church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember uh, very soon that myself and other leaders across the borough who were doing similar events would meet with the council mm. and I was asked to be the spokesman mm. for the churches. Right. At that time, again, I didn't ask for that, but I was that I seemed to be the appointed one at the time. <laughs> and they had somebody from their side who was appointed to be their lead spokesman. And I, th- I think that, I think it was interesting because even you, probably five, six, seven years later, when I met with um, somebody from the council yeah. high up, I was just talking about how do people perceive the church and so yeah. And that even then, people were still saying, actually, there's still an element of suspicion yeah. about our motives so you know what are the motives of the church yeah like, why are we doing these things so why do you might want to be converting people yes that is that the primary worry do you think or? yeah i think so and, and i think there's the worry that we're trying to convert people so it's a means to an end mm. and to be honest the church has done that yeah sure you know if it's a means to an end then obviously people feel a bit yeah used yeah potentially sure, of course in that so, so I think that's always a danger of that. So I think there's an element of mistrust on, on those lines. But also, sometimes our position as the church has been a bit uncompromising on things. Yeah. So we've stood there and said what we are against quite often. Yes. So we're against the spiritualists, we're against the you know, gender issues, we're against yeah. uh, sex before marriage, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the danger of that is then we become known for what we're against. Sure. And so, so then, again, there's that kind of wall of... Because the council would be worried that if you were engaging with someone who was doing something that the church didn't agree with, that we might treat them in a way that wouldn't be as good as we would treat somebody else, maybe. Is, is that some of the worry as well, yeah, that they I think, think we so. judge? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Because I, I think there's the whole equalities of gender, isn't there, mm. that's happened over that, over that last 12, 14 years, really. Sure. Where everybody wants to be using the right terminology. Yeah. I remember going to a sauna and a sauna in Sutton, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, really, and, it, and there's a little sign saying "invalid use of the sauna will not be permitted." Right. That was years ago. Now I remember that has been that's been changed. Right. It's been changed to non-valid use because invalid use of the sauna will not be permitted. People misinterpreted as being invalids can't use the sauna. Right. Okay. And sure. So I think there's a whole. Sure kind of can of worms with around language and culture yeah you know in, in terms of the church and, and and the council and and they understandably want people to feel included and i think yeah, the church of course best light wants people to be included absolutely yeah know? yeah so i think we need to get that message across but sometimes we're not very good at doing that and do you think it's changed over the last i mean how many years would you say when just when the street when someone was 2004 so yeah. that's 12 years ago yeah as it as the council opened up and trusted a bit more because they've seen the fruit of it and they've you've got integrity and you've done what you've said you would do and you've not I mean has it has it changed the relationship with the council and how they perceive you and and the church uh, it really has yeah. um, and I, and, and yeah and I, I think they they get things like street pastors because mm. we're not 
getting us proselytised, mm. we're actually helping people, we're actually serving the nighttime economy. Sure. And we're actually filling perhaps a gap that the police and the door staff can't fill because of time and resources. And then the food bank is a similar thing. You know, we're actually feeding the poor yeah. and we're filling a gap in the state, really, aren't we? The welfare provision. Sure. The welfare state I mean, it wasn't set up to deal with every single issue. Yeah. So I think they do trust us more and they see the good of what we do. Yeah. So it's my only concern from that with yeah. the. Do they understand the why? Sure, why we do what we do. Yes. Yeah. Do you think they want to understand? I mean, even if they did, would they actually take that? I mean, is it important that they understand? Do you think? Well, I think I think what what I, what they do get is that faith communities make a, a difference. And I remember a couple of years ago we did this faith audit in the borough. Yes, I remember. Yeah, all yeah. the activities. Yeah, and, and we knew as churches and faith communities that actually we do do a lot of good stuff. Yeah, you know whether it's feeding the poor or youth or children or mums and toddlers or the elderly yeah but sometimes quantifying that and actually putting that in front of local authorities they, they don't until you do that they don't fully get what you're doing no and uh cinema network who we link with nationally they've done some of these similar audits and right. they've worked out that the church makes a contribution of about three billion pounds a year Amazing. in terms of our volunteer hours resources premises time etc mm. so i think i think I think they get what we do, and I think they see the value of what we do, mm. and they know that with that faith community, it's not just the church, but particularly the church in Sutton, because we're the predominant faith community, that they would, they would be, there would be a gap. Sure. But I don't think they fully understand the why. They know that we're, the why is we're inspired by faith, Yeah. but it could be that we're inspired by Islam or Buddhism to them. So I don't think they get sure. the distinctiveness of sometimes of inspiration. Do you think there is a distinctiveness of in Christian social action, for want of a better phrase? Like is is there a distinction between distinctiveness between Christianity and the other religions in terms of the way we engage with social issues? I think for me the distinctive comes in. I think I can't remember who it was now. I think it was an Archbishop Archbishop Temple. I think it was um, one of the Church of England Archbishops mm, okay. who said that Christianity exists for the benefit of its non-members. Mm. And I think that's the difference because I remember years ago we were asked the question at a meeting that, well, the street pastors, could Muslims, could Jews get involved? Be multi-faith, yeah. Multi-faith. I think one of my answers was, well, it's you know, quite hard to get 20 different Christians to agree, let alone people from other faiths. On a more serious note, what I do find is that generally with Islam, that they don't want to be around drink and alcohol. Right, sure. So I wonder how they would cope with going into a nighttime economy. Yes, there's people that are getting drunk. Sure. And what would their response be? Um, so I think the Christian community and the history of the Christian church is that we go out. Yes. And we go out into the world and yes. we go out to beyond our own comfort zones in a non-judgmental way because we know that we've been saved by the grace of Jesus and he hasn't judged us, he's not judging us and we're willing to go to other people sure. for the same yeah. non-judgmental grace. Yeah. I think there's more we could say there, but I know we've mm. only got a certain amount of time here. So that's one element of um, serving your community, the local authorities seeing that as a positive benefit and embracing it and welcoming you and asking you and giving you funding and doing, you know, opening a door for you. Now, I've, I've been reading in the Bible the last couple of weeks in my Bible reading some of the prophets in the Old Testament. Mm. And some of them stand up to the emperors, the kings and the, the, even the religious leaders and denounce them and call them, call them up for their 
practices of not paying their workers or uh, their issues with the poor or whatever. Obviously, that's a part of the church mm. and our relationship with local authorities as well. How do, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that part of being a Christian and being represented in the church? Yeah, and that, I think I think it's I think it's, that's probably the, one of the biggest challenges. How do you keep the salt of the gospel? So we've we've been speaking mm. about the light. Yeah, Jesus said, "Be salt and light," and the light is let your good work shine before men. So we're doing that, and they're seeing our good works. And the salt is the bit that if you put salt into a wound, it it heals, but it's a bit painful yeah sure and there's lots of wounds in in our society and so yeah for the church how, how can we be prophetic how, how can yeah. we be that salt and I, th- I think that is a challenge because i think when you are invited to sit at the king's table i use the king's table in terms of yes you know the old testament a good picture yeah um, banquet and you were the irritating troublesome guest that said things that were contrary to mm. what the norm yes you may not be invited again or as with the old testament prophets in fact they were put in prison and they were castigated sure and and so maybe maybe that's maybe that's a challenge for the church today is that are we being prophetic enough are we willing to be salt we've got a lot of influence but are we what are we trading yeah with that influence are we trading some of our salts and prophetic edge yeah to do that the way I've done it locally and I, I wouldn't consider myself necessarily to be the Old Testament prophet style I tend no, to be sure. more consensual okay. that being said I think there's ways of doing it so I would do it through relationships I want to sit down with the powers that be and talk about what we're doing but also yeah. raise concerns Sure. so for example you know, we've helped at a student night recently 13 to 17 year olds going into Wonderland okay like, 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 yeah, yeah. no drink uh, one of my concerns is you've got 13 year olds who can be quite young mm. and you've got 17 year olds who can be quite old yeah sure 800 of them in a club yeah um, who's manning policing that it's mm. inside we're outside yeah so, so it's okay to raise those kind of mm. concerns and I think with the feedback again I think it's it's appropriate to feedback to the council and say actually you know what this year we've seen a 10 percent increase due to mm. universal credit yeah government policy um, and you know it's appropriate to feedback to mps and I've, I've chatted with mps and i've fed back to mps mm. some of our thoughts so it's probably the way you do it you don't always have to be thus saith the lord and no so I, th- I think and there's consultation so you can feedback through consultations as well yeah so there's ways of doing it but that being said i do think there is a challenge still there are we we have to keep that in front of us so i think yeah. it's a really good challenge well yeah because i think sometimes i get the feeling that some christians some churches almost feel like they need to get a really good relationship with the council and that's and that's nothing but a positive thing and it's almost like they'll do anything just to sort of sidle alongside and be praised and be sort of glorified almost by mm. the the powers that be and i think well jesus got killed by the powers that be like he was crucified naked you know it's mm. like the church isn't about smarming up to the authorities and sort of being patted on the back about how good we are because because god's going to pats on the back one day isn't he and say well done good and faithful servant and actually it's not about um being seen and being praised because often i think probably where the church is most effective is when it is just doing the stuff with the individuals in need and that nobody ever sees and nobody ever mm. praises so i think you've got to be we've got to be careful as a church haven't we that we don't seek out that praise from um significant people but maybe having this idea of actually knowing we are a prophetic voice having that in our hearts and minds pull us back the other way from going too far down the whole um let's let's be people pleasers essentially and be praised by yeah i think it's a really good point i mean our affirmation comes from god not from man jesus sought his affirmation from the Mm. father yeah not from man i think that's a really good 
centrifugal force for our thinking, yeah. really, isn't it? That we shouldn't be doing that. I think we all fall into the trap. I mean, we had our street pass the 10-year celebration, and I invited everything that moved in Sutton. Sure. You know, the Borough Commander, <laughs> the leader of the council. Yeah. And they all came, and yes. they all praised what we did. And on one level, I think there's some value in that, because they're recognising publicly mm. the value of street passes. And it's a milestone as well. Yeah, sure. But I think the danger, and you've rightly pointed out, is that we don't... We get deluded by that, seduced by it, we get sucked into losing our voice mm. uh, or losing our distinctiveness and I think that's the danger so we've always got to be willing to uh, keep that balance sure and and probably be more on the side of being true to who we are yeah um, and not worrying too much about reputation I think it was James that says you know when somebody comes into your gathering don't show favouritism to the rich person it's always to the poor so it's keeping yeah. that in mind uh, yeah because it's people of reputation it's in our dna isn't it as christians we serve the poor that is mm. that is who we are whether anyone pats us on the back or smashes us in the face like that is who we that is what we do as christians we serve the poor um but it's not the only thing we do um and the verse you read earlier mark i know we've not really talked about that and that's, mm. sorry about that okay. um but maybe i can come back again and talk to you a bit more about how the church serves the poor and the role of social action as well so one more thing just just the context of those in reputation yes do you think in the Bible it does talk about honouring those who yes. have written authority and praying for those. So I think there's a place we, we shouldn't lose sight of that as well. Mm. And actually by getting by getting into some kind of relationship with them, we have perhaps more chance to influence. Mm. It's keeping that assault and that prophetic edge as well. I think you've raised some really good points there, Mark, and there's a lot to think about, isn't there? So um, thanks very much. We'll um, see you next week. Thanks, Dan.